Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to our paranormal afterlife. This is our paranormal afterlife, and I'm your host, Simon Bowne. My mission here is to explore evidence that we continue beyond physical death. These episodes encompass reincarnation, near-death experiences, spirit communication, deathbed visions and other extraordinary phenomena. And please check out my other podcast, it's called the Alien UFO Podcast, and I release new episodes every Monday. You can find it on almost every podcast app. And if you want to hear the extended version of this episode, which is an extra 20 minutes, please join the Patreon campaign. So this week I'm talking to Carol Oblay about her book, Wisdom from the Spirit World. Carol is the founder of Soul Visions, an ethical company dedicated to helping people find peace and healing through evidential mediumship. She is the author of three books on spirit communication, spirituality and healing. She holds a certificate in mediumship from Delphi University in Atlanta, Georgia and has a mastership in Reiki healing. Hi, Carol. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. So we're going to talk about your book. It's called Wisdom from the Spirit World. I wanted to ask about how this all started for you. What was the first kind of things that happened? Well, I'll try to condense it. Um, in my, my first and second book, I, I've, I wrote about how I got onto this pathway and you know, like a lot of uh, other spiritualists and mediums, um, I endured some suffering uh, in order to come onto the pathway. Um, and, you know, in my 20s, uh, I was very much uh, had a drinking problem and a drug problem. Um, so when I entered into recovery around the age of 25, I became very interested in spirituality. And uh, fast forward many years later, uh, I began taking classes at a metaphysical center that's near my hometown here. And everything kind of flowed from there. And it, as a child, though, I was always interested in the paranormal, what happens when we die. Um, you know, I would walk with my grandma through this cemetery and uh, see photographs of children on the tombstones. And I would stand there and wonder, do they know that I'm standing here on their grave? Where are they now? Why would God uh, take such a, you know, a young soul? Uh, so I always had these questions. I was always interested also in uh, the paranormal, such as UFOs and, uh, you know, the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, I got into reincarnation much later, uh, but found that information like that was coming to me very spontaneously when I would sit with people and, and continue to do that today as far as reading the uh, the Book of Life or what's called the Akashic Files. So it's been sort of a long road. It's It's been a bit convoluted. But I think that in some way, when we go through some type of trauma, we're better equipped um, once we recover from that to help others that, you know, may have experienced the same thing or had family members who have. 
And certainly that has happened uh, in my readings over 30 years, um, helping people to break patterns, uh, very unhealthy patterns that have been in the family. First of all, when you started out, could we say that you were doing psychic work rather than mediumship? Is it a thing that you were doing the psychic work for a while and then spirits started coming through? That's exactly correct. Uh, I am self-taught with the tarot, uh, that 78-card deck, uh, which is actually from the Middle Ages, uh, still used today. And this was many years ago, Simon. I was sitting there giving um, a psychic reading to someone, and all of a sudden I looked at the cards, and they sort of act as a portal for me. Um, they still do today that I, I know what the meanings of the cards are, certainly, but they also act as sort of a gazing tool. And there was um, a father to this woman who was in the spirit world uh, who appeared in this reading quite, quite unexpectedly and spontaneously. And so he gave her that information and she said, that's exactly correct. It was very specific information. And so it was kind of spotty in the beginning. But as I continued to develop and I, I've done a lot of training with uh, other mediums, um, I've really honed the natural ability that I was born with. So, yes, it started out more with psychism and evolved and progressed into hearing from souls in the spirit world. And so since your first reading to how you work now, has your technique changed a lot or is it basically the same? It's evolved. And I will tell you that anyone who is a genuine, very connected medium, will tell you that the sensitivity is always evolving. You can't really rest on your laurels with this type of work because there is always more that can be revealed. And that depends on the experience and the openness of the medium. And it's not to get recognition and say, you know, look how connected that person is or how great they are. It's about the service that you can do to those who are grieving, who need to hear that sort of information. And so, yes, it's, it's a self-upgrading program. And I suppose there's um, a thing of trusting it, isn't there? Because I, I, I can't do anything like that. But I, I just imagine that when these things are coming through, maybe sometimes you're thinking, is, is that me? Am I just imagining it? I'm glad that you mentioned that because about trust, because it is the number one obstacle that I personally have encountered in my own development. And secondly, I, I have I, I'm a, a teacher as well um, of intuition, of um, you know the Akashic files, leading people to discover patterns. Uh, that need to be broken in the files and so forth. Trust is the number one obstacle that people have uh, because the rational mind is always saying, I'm making this up. And so, you know, I've been regressed uh, several times and I guess I'm pretty easy to do that because I go into an altered state quite easily. Uh, but some people, uh, you know, falsely believe that they're making things up when they're not. So it does it does require trust. Um, even today, um, 15,000 readings later, because that's approximately how many I've done throughout the years, uh, I still get a little bit of doubt, you know, is that real? Uh, because sometimes the messages are quite peculiar or they absolutely don't make any sense to me. 
Uh, so I've had to learn to trust that what I'm giving to the recipient or the sitter uh, is accurate. And that's taken a long time, quite honestly. Uh, it's taken a long time to get to a level of confidence that, uh, you know, I am tuning in. Um, so, yes, that's a very important factor in mediumship. So in the book, you talk about these uh, reincarnation aspects, and one of them is the pre-life process of a meeting with your guides and planning out your life. And I found all that, that fascinating. So you kind of, I think you kind of describe it that you're in a space in the afterlife and you start to get this feeling that now is the time to go back and do more work and more, learn more lessons and get your evolution going forward again. Is that how it works when you, you first start to decide that you're going to have another life? Yes, it, it's, you know, when, when we die, um, and I'm sure you and your listeners have probably heard about the life review process, and that is where the soul in an instant, in an, the equivalent of an instant, because there's really, there's no time in, in spirit. It's timeless. We have time here, but it's a linear construct. Um, we, we get that review of from birth until, you know, up until our death of, the particular uh, lessons that the soul had planned. And so there's an assessment made. Um, I call it the report card of the soul. Um, and we, we, we gauge how well we've done with those particular lessons. Now, you know, depending upon the unique evolutionary needs of the soul, uh, that soul will choose to return here to the physical realm, this plane of duality, because of um, several reasons. Um, to, for continued evolution with the same themes, if we gave ourselves maybe a C or a D in a particular lesson, um, then we can kind of say, well, you know, I need more experience with that, more than I can get here in the spirit world. So I need to come into uh, the realm of duality again. Um, and we also come for further experience through the body. You know, in the spirit world, obviously, we do not have the physical vehicle of the body. This is the only place we have that. And the body is a great teaching tool uh, in many ways. In my first book, Embracing the Ties of Mind, I wrote about illness as a spiritual awakening. And so there are many uh, aspects of the physical plane that give us opportunity for um, evolution with the soul intent to be reunited with the creator eventually. That is the end goal of all souls, is to be reunited with the creator. So when you decide that you're going to have a life, you then have to work out a life plan? And is it that you sit down with your guides and others and say, well, okay, how is this one going to go? And you get more detailed. That's absolutely correct. Uh, we do sit with our uh, spirit, I call them my spirit team. Um, and by the way, uh, many people place them above themselves as superior. And they're really not. Um, that's why I call them a team. Because they are helping. And in helping us, they are also evolving themselves. It's like you know, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, uh, the great spiritual text. And one of the lessons in there is that everything I give, I give to myself. So when I give to others, it, that returns to me. And that's a natural law. That's the natural law of karma or cause and effect. So our spirit team sits with us and we do an honest assessment. There is no deception in the spirit world. 
it's impossible because um, the light of the soul is highly transparent to everybody there. And we're really judged by our own conscience. Um, so we make that assessment with the help of our spirit team. And then we choose the perfect circumstances, including uh, the family, our parents, siblings, the geographical location, our race, uh, religion or lack of religion, um, and maybe even physical maladies that are going to help advance the soul's evolution. Now, you know, most people are not going to remember that on a conscious level. However, it is embedded in the intelligence of the soul, uh, the soul being indestructible, and the soul never loses anything from uh, ever, you know, from lifetime to lifetime. It accumulates experience, and it is constantly expressing spirit, that's my word for, you know, what most people call God, uh, the soul is constantly expressing that in one way or another. And it seeks experience in order to evolve. And so there's the plan that you, you make to, for this life, but you sit down with other souls that are also going to incarnate with you. And so they work out what their role is going to be in your life and what your role is going to be in their life. Yeah, always a two-way street. So you would maybe go into a life with part of it being sacrificing something of yourself so that aids them, or, or you do something to aid them that doesn't aid you? It's, it's you're helping each other out? Yes, there are examples like that. Uh, in Wisdom from the Spirit World, I wrote about uh, soul agreement. And in my other books, I've mentioned those as well. Uh, soul agreements are made between two, two or more souls. And it's for purposes of evolution of all the souls involved. So, for example, uh, I'm always struck by this with children uh, who, you know, may have been born with a very uh, serious physical condition or mental condition. And in some ways, it may not be, it, it may not be for them at all. It may be for the growth and the evolution of the parents. It may be for the growth and evolution of all of the lives that that soul will touch in perhaps the short time that it's here on the physical plane. And by doing that, and I always think those are particularly courageous souls who sign up for that, um, in doing that, the soul advances itself. It's always a circular sort of situation. So there, there's not an end point to that or not just, well, it's just for the benefit of someone else. The soul is always evolving through every experience that it has. And so you might have an agreement with a soul that they would be your parent or your partner, but they would be very abusive. So it's almost like that soul is a the perpetrator and you agree with them beforehand that they're going to be really bad to you but ultimately for the both of you it's about evolution yes and it's also about the choice because one of the lessons in wisdom from the spirit world is our choices determine the quality of our lives and that's something that i have heard time and time again the entire book is about themes that I've heard repetitively through multiple sessions from those in, in the spirit world, from that elevated perspective. So it, it's very difficult and I'm, I'm very uh, careful 
when I explain that to people because, you know, for example, your example of abuse, let's say, um, that's very hard to conceptualize that that a that a person would sign up for that sort of terrible, um, traumatic experience. However, um, by making the choice to grow from it, that is how it lends itself, something very painful, lends itself to evolution and also to helping others who have endured the same thing, the same circumstances. So it's it's multi-pronged as far as you know the experiences that we have here. Because one of the things that my spirit team showed me very early on was what's called the ripple effect. And simply stated, that's, you know, well, we would throw a pebble into a pond and you see those concentric circles that are coming out from that, um, you know, from, from that action that, that was taken. And if you replace the the analogy of that um, pebble with our life and it ripples out, the water rippling out is our effect on others. And sometimes we will never know that until we pass over ourselves. Because one of the other things that I have learned is that everything that we have done to others, whether that's good, bad, or neutral, we experience in that life review process. If I treated you badly, I will feel when I die, I will feel what you felt when I did that. And it's the same thing with, with, you know, relatively good things that we've done too. And how those affect others that that person knew. So it's really like if you can conceive, you know, the imagery of the spiral. That's what our life is like. And that's why you've heard the expression that no man is an island. And certainly that's true. And I've seen that multiple times through the work that I've done with um, in spiritualism and mediumship. Hi, this is Simon. Do you have a fascination with reincarnation? And would you like to know about your past lives? I have a diploma in clinical hypnotherapy and I conduct past life progression sessions over Zoom. If you'd like to find out how a session works for you, you can book a free 20-minute consultation on my website. That's at pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk. The link is in the show notes. There's a thought here that for souls to evolve, we must know suffering as much as we must know happiness. So that kind of suggests that as long as there's life on Earth, human life, there'll always be suffering because that's part of the school that teaches evolution for the souls. Yes, I would, I would say yes. I mean, I'm thinking of um, uh, Buddhism that, you know, talks about the nature of life as suffering. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be that way. Um, but unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, uh, humans, we are a stubborn lot and we best learn and we best grow when we suffer. So in that way, suffering is providing opportunity to awaken to our true, uh, identity of being spirit and also awakening to our true unlimited potential and that is the role of suffering in spiritual growth um i don't know about you but i don't think i've ever met anyone in decades of being on the planet that has not suffered in some way yeah it may be a different form but uh it, it's still to that person it's very profound but it's so again, choice 
is involved here as far as what we do with that. And I think we all know people who stay stuck in that or they stay stuck in the past and they go over and over the treadmill. I call it the treadmill of the mind, the mind's monologue, um, which is circular in nature. That's the rational mind. And it replays that suffering over and over. So we have this thing called choice that we can use suffering or trauma or pain or whatever it might be that was unpleasant as a springboard into growth. And that is entirely the individual's choice. But if you, when you die and you get the life review and you see that you stayed in that circular pattern, um, chances are you will say, boy, I didn't do so good with that, that time. I'm going to have to, you know, confront the same issue again. And when you have a soul agreement, is it kind of like it's set in stone or, or is it that you could live the whole life and actually the agreement doesn't come into it because the choices you make? Well, I, I am always, I, I, I firmly have seen evidence of free will. Now, um, I call, and in all the books I've written, um, and in Wisdom from the Spirit World, I, I call them blueprints, not contracts, but blueprints, because contracts are binding. You sign on the dotted line, and that's pretty much it. Um, the difference is with a blueprint, there it, I consider it a, an outline for themes that the soul desires to experience. And those experiences can be met in various ways. This is why it has more leeway than a contract. Um, for example, say that my soul has chosen this time that I need experiences in compassion. I, I, I need to understand what that is. I need to express compassion, the, the energy of compassion. So I could choose to perhaps work with abused children. I might be a social worker, maybe. I might be drawn to that pathway. Um, maybe I decide that I'm going to, you know, be a worker in a nursing, a nursing home facility, a personal care home. And I extend compassion to people who are alone, don't have any family. Um, maybe I did choose to come into a highly abusive family. And I have to learn about compassion for myself. That because so many people, you know, when they've suffered abuse, tend to internalize that, that there is something wrong with them, particularly when they're children, that they caused that that they caused father to be angry at them or to hate them or mother to be verbally abusive to them. And so over the years, I may have to see that I need to extend compassion to myself and to release that, that internalization of that particular issue. So that's what I mean when I say that there is variation uh, all of those would be expressions of compassion. Another one would be perhaps working with, you know, animal rescue. Um, you know, extending compassion to uh, our animal companions and friends. So there's many different ways that the soul can offer service at the same time through that service uh, evolve and, you know, reach out and be an example to others. And as a medium, can you get access to find out what the sitter has agreed to? And it's almost like the fortune telling in a way, I suppose you say, if this hasn't come up, you've agreed to do it. Yes. Well, usually it has come up. And, um, I, one of the things that I use, I, I, one of the services that I offer is, 
It's called a karmic astrological reading. And I'm extremely studied in astrology and not the astrology that you read in the newspaper, um, but evolutionary astrology. And um, so sometimes um, when I'm helping people, particularly with people who say, you know, why does this pattern keep coming up? Why do I always feel this way or that way? Why, you know, is this particular situation always arising in my life? So one of the tools that I will use is their birth chart. And you can look at that birth chart and by certain placements of the planets and also these things called the lunar nodes, um, you can look at that chart and see what the soul has signed up for. And interestingly, uh, the client will usually say, that's funny, I've always, you know, felt drawn to that, or I've always, you know, had that particular experience ever since I was young. And so you can see it right there. The, the birth chart is the language of the soul. Um, that's what it is. And the moment that that soul entered into a physical body in the little infant, um, at the perfect time, by the way, because birth is divinely timed, so is death, um, you can see what planets were involved, what they symbolized metaphysically, and also where the soul left off in a prior lifetime. And most notably, um, that is symbolized by the planet Pluto. Pluto is rep represented a uh, representation of the soul itself and the evolution of the soul. Um, so people oftentimes, you know, they, they might have gone through traditional psychotherapy for years. Um, they might have been depressed. They might have had anxiety. Um, you know, a lot of these are rampant today in our society. Um, and more so than ever, I believe. And so this type of insight gets to the root of things energetically. Um, because many times you will find those particular traumas um, or unresolved issues stored in the energetic system of the soul. Sometimes it will actually appear somatically and that's in the body. Um, so it really depends on that unique soul and what they're um, encountering. Um, and sometimes people will say, you know, I felt that. So, you know, they have that in, innate intuition that there is something to what they've been feeling. They're not imagining it. They're not crazy. Um, you know, and sometimes it's a great relief to that person to have that validated oftentimes and to know that, you know, they, they are, um, they are healing. Um, they are in touch with the, the magnitude of their own soul. And that those particular lessons that they've confronted are not punishments, but they're meant for growth of the soul. Do you ever find that you might find out about an agreement, or I suppose when you're doing mediumship or psychic work, that there's something there that you think, you know what, I probably shouldn't say that. That's really bad. Or, or you know, it's like you're censoring what's coming through. Yes. Um, well, usually I do not censor or filter uh, my readings um, because I, I try to stay as true to the communication as possible. Uh, otherwise, you know, I may not be helping that person that they they need that they need that that unfiltered raw uh truth um 
And so it's really not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, people need to know that they're they're not at fault for certain things. I mean, you know, the other thing that's really big with people is guilt. And people internalize needlessly, but they do it for different reasons, guilt. And, you know, they could carry that around for years. It can affect them physically as well and create illness in the, in the body. Um, certainly it can create depression because people might feel helpless to change the past. But there's always the ability to heal. There is always ability in the present moment to reframe the past. And that's where true healing resides. It's, it's in the present moment. And each individual has, has that available. That's what makes us all the same. In addition to being sacred souls, we all have the present moment. None of us have the past. None of us have the future. So right here, right now is the only thing that exists. So yes, it needs to be stated um, quite literally, but also in a way that is affirmative, um, but true. So that the person really grasps um, the depth of that particular uh, soul lesson. You mentioned guilt earlier, and I was fascinated by the story that you tell in the book about James and Gettysburg. Could you tell us about that? Oh, yes. Um, well, in Wisdom from the Spirit World, uh, and this, this, is, this is a very true story. Uh, all my books, by the way, are not embellished. They are true to what has come through in sessions. Uh, this gentleman sought me out because for many years he had been um, suffering from anxiety, um, had trouble sleeping, and this all sort of came to a head. When he visited Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and which was a famous battlefield during the Civil War. And there was a painting there. And he was there with his fiancee. And he happened to gaze at this painting. And all of these feelings came up for him. And uh, particularly guilt, sorrow, um, and he was quite upset about that. And so when he came to see me, he recounted that experience. And he said, I just don't understand why this has been plaguing me for so long. But something came up when I viewed that, that painting. And so when we did the regression, uh, which I've been trained in, um, he went to the battlefield. Um, back in the 1860s, and uh, he had a remarkable experience. I sat taking notes. I could barely write quickly enough to get everything down that he was saying, and he was very, very specific about battle maneuvers. He had been a commander in those days, and I don't think he was a famous uh, commander, but he was in charge of troops. And so he gave a command, and, and this all came out during this session, during this regression, and a number of his men died, and he had miscalculated something, or um, I, I believe that it really wasn't a miscalculation, it was a, one of these situations that was sort of an ambush uh, by the other side, and um, a, a lot of the men died. And so that made an imprint on his emotional body. Um, you know, we have, we have multiple bodies. Uh, we have, of course, the physical, we have the emotional, we have the spiritual, the mental. Um, traumatic events like that usually make an imprint, so to speak, on the emotional body. 
And so uh, when he viewed that uh, painting in current day, all of that came rushing back to him. And it was, by the way, the painting was a depiction of the battlefield. And so it was very potent for him when he viewed that. And so um, we worked through that in, in the session. And he left, he thanked me. And I don't know, it was a couple of weeks later or so. His fiance called me and she said, you know, I don't know what you did for him in that session, but he's like a different person. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, oh, he's lighthearted. He laughs again. Uh, you know, he's able to sleep at night. Um, he's just very changed. And so I, I never claim credit for it's not me doing doing that work. I'm simply a conduit. But it was by his looking at and resolving that he truly did not cause the death of his men, that it was a situation that happened as as we know happens in war. And so he he was able to release that and to get on about his life. So it was quite powerful. And um, interestingly, uh, if I can back up for one second, this was particularly synchronistic in this story of James. Uh, the uh, bookstore that I was at, and he had seen me when I was doing a mediumship program, and unbeknownst to me, when I went to this uh, place, they were celebrating this, this town, was celebrating their anniversary of the founding of the town. And so as part of that, fireworks were put off. And when James stood up to ask his question to me about regression, at the second he stood up, um, outside in the street, these fireworks started going off. And little did I know until I did the session with him that it was quite synchronistic in that, I mean, they sounded like, you know, fireworks can sound like cannons or war. And so it was almost as if that perfect, um, you know, conjunction came together Um you know, sort of symbolizing what he had been through in prior lifetime. Um, so it was quite remarkable, and it's something that as a facilitator, I will never forget. And I've, I've lost touch with him, um, but the healing for this gentleman was profound from that one session in really being able to release the oppressive guilt that he had felt for it really what I call false guilt for responsibility uh, of his men's uh, lives in, in that war. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's something you say in the book about how if we have healing in this life, that can send healing back in time to previous lives. I, I think I read that right. And so by helping him with guilt in this life, it may have helped the previous life. Absolutely. Because the thing that people have to understand is, again, I go back to that quote that no man is an island, no man or woman. What I'm using man generically. None of us uh, is an island. So everything that we do, every thought that we have goes into the collective consciousness. And um, particularly 
interesting, uh, not only with past life information, but with mediumship, that if there had been a dysfunctional or very traumatic pattern in a family, and believe me, I've done many readings like that, for example, um, you know, abuse, uh, addiction, um, losing children, you know, at a young age, very traumatic. Sometimes people just shut down. They don't, they never process that. Um, when a person that is here on the physical plane um, balances that or, you know, reconciles that, it also affects the ancestral line. Because again, there's not a disconnection. And so by whatever we do here by with healing can also help to heal generations um, that have already transitioned into the spirit world. And of course, those who are yet to come, um, you know, that have not been born yet. So that's how powerful our lives are. And I, I, I believe that if people really understand that, that we're not isolated, that, you know, everything that we do to, um, for lack of better terms, get better, um, also helps the people who came before us and the people who will come after us. And I wonder this sort of thing that I come across, where there's something coming through from a past life. I've always wondered if that is part of the plan or or it's a glitch, you know, that there's something gone wrong somewhere and this this has come through. It's almost because you hear about children with past life memories and some of them have birthmarks or birth deformities that have come through from the previous life. So do you, do you think that's on purpose or, or it's just something's glitched there? Well, and I have some good examples of that. Um, the most notable is um, I was still doing readings out of my home at that point. I was seeing people in person. Now I'm, I, I read internationally uh, for people um, through Zoom or the phone. Uh, there was a gentleman who came and um, I, I was sitting with him and I said, you know, um, I, I'm very aware that there is some sort of glitch in your solar plexus area in the, you know, in the abdominal area. And uh, I said, have you ever had any problems there? I said, because what I'm being shown here is um, you actually died that way. You were run through uh, with a, with a sword. And he got this smile on his face. And I was somewhat embarrassed because he lifted, lifted his shirt up. Um, and he showed me a, a large scar there in his abdominal region. And he said, I had to have surgery there. And he said, I had, um, you know, severe stomach issues. And I just sat there, you know, astounded. Um, and so... I, I think what, what occurs, Simon, is that um, there's sort of a glitch um, in that, remember, you know, the soul essentially is, is comprised of energy and, and thought. So sometimes, you know, those thoughts can actually, yes, they will uh, condense into something in the physical body. Another example would be birthmark that people have. Um, another example would be a condition like blindness. Um, I've had, you know, experience with that in, in past life things too. Um, or problems, you know, perhaps with the spine or walking or whatever. And you can kind of go in there and into the Akashic file or the book of life of that soul and see that, okay, uh, you know, in, um, in the Middle Ages, I was a beggar um, on the streets of London or whatever. 
And that's how I was, that's how I survived. I was blind and I, you know, people took pity on me and gave me uh, money or food or whatever. So there may be sort of a association with this is how I was nurtured, you see. And so the soul thinks that that is still necessary or it's not really the soul, but it's it's a it's a remembrance of that situation. Um, the same thing with weight. Um, I've done past life sessions with people um, that no matter what they do, they can't lose weight. And uh, one in particular that was very striking was a lady who was very earnest about losing weight. And she said, I don't eat sweets. I, you know, I don't eat junk food. Um, and I, I just, I can't lose weight. And she was a high powered uh, executive in the medical field. Uh, she was, she wasn't a doctor, but she worked in the executive function um, <clears throat> in a uh, hospital. And she talked about how much it felt like a battlefield there. Like she constantly had to defend herself. She constantly had to, um, there was a lot of competitive energy with colleagues and so forth. So when we did the past life information, I saw that she had been a female warrior. And on the battlefield, she needed extra weight for protection. And also because she didn't really know sometimes where her next meal was coming from. So sometimes she would overeat. Um, and so it was sort of serving this protective mechanism for her. And the situation that she was experiencing uh, in her current work was very similar in that she felt that she had to defend herself. So it was quite intriguing. And I think it's absolutely astonishing how, you know, we can hold these, these glitches in our subconscious and they cannot be addressed from a rational level. You know, they, they, they just can't. So that's the benefit to people of delving into something like hypnosis or uh, past life regression or an Akashic file reading. Uh, that's how it can really benefit people because it gets to the heart of the matter of the issue very quickly. These kinds of things that come through from past lives, can they also be related to karma or is that a completely different thing? No, they're intertwined. They are intertwined. And there are so many, um, I call them faulty thoughts. Uh, why are they faulty? Because they're not in alignment with the divine nature of the soul. Um, so yes, they can be held. Another example uh, that comes to mind, uh, you know, there's been certain people that I've connected with that they say, you know, I don't know why, but I always have trouble with money. I am always seem to be out of money. Uh, I, I don't know why that is. You know, can you help me? Was there something in prior lifetimes? And, you know, I tune in and from the Akashic, I see that they took a vow of poverty. And perhaps, you know, they were in the clergy or they were a monk or a priest or something. and you know, having material goods or even a little bit of money was considered sinful. And it was looked down upon. And they took a vow. And vows are particularly uh, powerful. And sometimes in past life work, you have to actually take the client in and have them release that vow. Because it's, you know, it's sort of like having a lock and a key you know, and the, the thing is still locked. And so they have to take that key from their own desire uh, to unlock that vow. Um, so yes, yeah, sometimes it's karmic. And then 
you know, the person will be liberated from that. And then they start to see, you know, things change in their life, that money flows to them or, you know, they get a, they get a worthwhile job. Um, so everything we do is karmic in, in some way. Uh, the best thing to do is to stay aligned with natural law so that you don't create any more karma and to use the golden rule to treat others as you yourself would like to be treated. And that way you, you, um, you can avoid creating new uh, karma. We've been talking about the book uh, Wisdom from the Spirit World and uh, people can get that on Amazon, can't they? Yes, and through my publisher, um, collectiveinc.com, uh, six books. That's the number numeral six with TH books. Uh, that's the imprint in Collective Inc. Um, they can get it there. Also, Kindle on Amazon and my website, which is soulvisions.net. Uh, you will not get an autograph copy through <laughs> Amazon. Um, but I will autograph it if people are interested in in purchasing um, from me. And can you tell us about your other books again? Yeah, probably the most popular one has been I'm Still With You, uh, True Stories of Healing Grief Through Spirit Communication. Um, that uh, Those are 20 stories, not embellished at all, uh, taken from readings that I have I did. Um, in my numerous case files, and they're organized in chapters by the relationship of the recipient to the soul who's coming through. And then there's soul-to-soul -soul connections, comforting messages from the spirit world. Again, those are 20 stories, all different than the second book. And the main difference is those were all phone readings and soul-to-soul -soul connections. And there's also a chapter in there in Soul to Soul Connections about the most common questions that people have asked, um, uh, you know, on interviews, radio, uh, podcasts, um, during readings about the spirit world, what goes on there, what the spirit world is like, um, how you can make your own link to loved ones, um, various topics. And if people want to book a call with you, I suppose they can do it through your website? Yes. And again, that's soulvisions, that's pluralvisions.net. And I respond very quickly. Um, this is my full-time career, so I'm not working another job. Um, so I do get back to people rather quickly. And I've been exceedingly blessed by spirit to read for people from many different countries. Uh, I've even worked with an interpreter um, because the recipient did not speak English. Um, so I've been very blessed to connect with all walks of life, all different people. Um, and they all want to know what lies beyond the, the physical. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Simon, for having me. It's really been a pleasure. And that was an interview with Carol Obley about her book, Wisdom from the Spirit World. And a great way to support the podcast is to sign up to Patreon. When you sign up for $5 a month, you get an extended episode every week. For $2 a month, you get an extended episode every month. The Patreon episodes are ad-free and are released two days before the free versions. And please check out my other podcast. It's called the Alien UFO Podcast. And I release new episodes every Monday. And you can find it on almost every podcast app. I also have a tier in the R Paranormal Afterlife Patreon campaign, where for $12.50 a month, you get the Alien UFO Podcast extended episodes every week, as well as the Past Lives Podcast extended episodes. Including the Alien UFO Podcast episodes, there are now more than 100 extended episodes available in the pack catalogue. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash rparanormalafterlife or click on the patron button on my homepage at pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk. The links are in the show notes. And look out for the Past Lives podcast episodes called Paranormal Stories 
and they're released every Thursday. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or via your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out on any episodes. And thanks for listening. In the book, you mentioned Dan, who I think he, he died, and he underwent training to become a teacher in spirit. And I've seen that in multiple sessions with, you know, whatever occupation the individual had. Um, I have a client whose husband was a doctor.